in the afterlife, there's a good place and there's a bad place. You're in the good place. I'm not supposed to be here. Somebody royally forked up. Why can't I say fork? If you're trying to curse, you can't hear. That's bullshit. <laughs> We're condescending bench. Motherforker. <gasps> you know I'm trying to say asshole and not asshole, right? I got that. Welcome to another edition of The Substandard, sponsored by Quip Electric Toothbrush and ExpressVPN. I'm Victor Manis, along with Sonny Bunch and Jonathan V. Last. I'd like to remind you The Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just look at our podcast and search for Substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review. Gentlemen, how are we? Sonny Bunch, welcome back. Welcome back. Hi Congratulations. Guys. Hi guys. It's two weeks. It was too How, far. Too thought, long to Look at the bags. Look at the bags under eyes. his eyes. So I should put my sun, my glasses back on. Two, uh, two. I thought it was two months you were gone on paternity leave. No, no, I'm just two weeks. That. No, it's two felt, weeks. How's everybody that. doing? Well, Vic, Vic you, I know you have had more to edit. These these past few weeks, you've had to edit like six pieces a day instead uh, of uh, averaging know, between somewhere between six and eleven. Uh, uh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm just uh, you know I'm sleeping solid ten hours a day. Your lovely wife and uh, she's doing fantastic. <laughs> she's sleeping twelve hours a day. Your you know, bouncing baby boy is healthy. How many pounds? Healthy, hungry. This is what people want to know. They don't. We're not going to give them a name, but you can tell them how many pounds. Really? Do people want to know that? Everybody that wants to know that. It's uh, like the first question is always like, "What's his name? How much did he weigh? Why do people care about that? I've never asked that because it's a because it's a tell about what your near term life is going to look mm-hmm. like. Because if you say Oh, five and three quarters pounds. Ooh, that means <laughs> no sleep for you. Small baby. But if you say, oh, eight and three quarters pounds, they say, oh, you mm-hmm. might get two hours at a time. Is that That's why, why people Is that care. why they, I thought, I always really? thought, yeah. I always ask because I'm just trying to picture the baby coming out and the size of the baby. <laughs> anyway, get, do, you tell us. do tell us. Now you can tell us. Uh, eight pounds, four ounces. Oh, that's a, so that's a, a nice healthy baby. That's a healthy baby. He, he, will, he, at this point, is sleeping... Uh, when when he goes down to sleep and he like actually gets into the whole sleep thing he he'll go for a solid three and a half four hours you know what which is not terrible you know what you ought to try just once Mm -hmm. when your wife isn't around sleeping him on his stomach Oh yeah, yeah. That's... Just once to see if he blows up. I'll just because I've been led to believe <laughs> by the Pediatric Association mm. of America that oh, if you put no. your child, your infant, to sleep on their stomachs, mm-hmm. they will actually no. combust. No. Yeah, they used. You to, can't do it. Remember, they used to tell. They used to tell the mothers, make sure they sleep on their stomach. You don't want them on their backs. And then later on, they got to sleep on the backs. Oh, back my is gosh. best. You, can, you can't have them on their back is on best. Their stomachs. Well, I, switch back and forth. I'm gonna. I, I when when Beth is out of town, I will put him in in the bassinet with a, also a pillow. Uh, he can sleep on his stomach on top of a pillow. With a bunch of blankets. With some stuff, stuff, animals, razor blades, and, and whatever, shurikens. Whatever, whatever you do, yeah. remove the bumper. you got to remove yeah. the bumper. Right. The bumper. My understanding is that all these things are good. Question. Yeah. Has your daughter attempted to smother him yet? <laughs> Only with love. Oh. For now. Love. For now. JVL, how are you? I am okay. I have a question for you. Oh, for me. Ooh. For you. Okay. Shoot. Do you like Fanta? Oh, right. Uh, you asked, you texted me this earlier, and my answer is a qualified yes. I like European Fanta. That is so interesting. Because. It's Do you know wide. where Fanta comes from? Because I was listening to the Weekly Standard, the Weekly Substandard Expanded Universe podcast, and oh. I learned something from our friend yes. Thomas from Denmark, Dr. Lassie. Doctor, Herr Dr. Lassie. Yeah, I don't know if you say hair up there, but go ahead. And that is the roots of Fanta. Oh. Do you know where Fanta comes from? I thought it was Spain. No. Italy? No. Italy? No, it's German. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I knew Would this. you like I to know, know the know origins yes, of it? I Here, Sonny, yes, let I me do. tell you where Fanta <laughs> comes from. You see, at the, at the beginning I of hostilities this. between 
the United States and the Germans in the early 1940s, uh, the German Coca-Cola bottling plants were cut off from their supplies from the motherland. Mm. So they had to create their own special Nazi soda. And the Nazi soda they created was Fanta. Fanta. Wow. And Vic, a lot by sense, total frankly. coincidence, just <laughs> loves, loves it. Loves the Nazi soda. Not the American Fanta, the European Fanta. <laughs> no, you were but very no, specific about this on the text. I was. You, I you were like, European, European Fanta. European Fanta is so much better. There's the American one is too sweet. Yeah, the, Ameri- the, the, the European one I said was superior. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, <laughs> you're saying it's the Uber Superior, soda. It's the Uber soda. And the, the Uber soda. The Uber soda. The Uber soda versus Bob. the Uber soda. Yes, I think that's what it is. And uh, but but now that I know about it, now that I know about it, I guess. I won't be drinking Fanta, but I will stick to other companies uh, that have nothing to do with the uh, the Nazi Braun, past, like uh, your Braun Porsche, Coffee Bavarian Porsche, Motor Works. Uh, yeah, Porsche and uh, Hugo Boss and Hugo your Boss. Hugo Boss. Suits. Hugo Boss. Suits. You're not getting rid of any of your Hugo Boss suits. <laughs> Love those colors. The trench, the trench that you come into the offices <laughs> and you're clicking your heels the whole My way. My Krupp's Coffee Maker. Okay. Good. How are you, funny Victorino? Man. Well, it's funny you should ask today, or I guess I should say two days ago, uh, was my wedding anniversary. Oh. You can believe it. I forgot Today's it this day. year. Yesterday. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Happy anniversary. Uh, thank you very much. 14 years ago. How did she put up with you? Ago? I don't know. Drugs. Drugs. Uh, 14 years ago. If you You've remember. used a 14 year Rohypnol on her. Yes. But you know, it's sort of like you Long- stretch Rohypnol, extended release. You know, every, extended release. You know, every morning, just put in It's the like coffee. an IUD. You just <laughs> slip it in there. It that easy. For, for seven years. That for, good seven for seven years. years. Yeah, so, uh, the, four- trick is, the trick is knocking her out once every seven years to get the new <laughs> one in What there. was that? Okay, nothing. Nothing. It's like You discomfort. had way too much to drink last it's, night. Slight discomfort. Uh, yeah, so 14 years. It's a really good episode so far. <laughs> Nazi great. jokes. <laughs> and, uh, pseudo-rape and, jokes. And pseudo-rape, yeah, rohypnol jokes. Do you remember, by the way, speaking of which... I thought this was going to be a, a, a funny question because, you know, I would, um, that's really all I'm good for. When we had the drug czar in our office, John Walters, mm-hmm. after he became drug czar, he came to the office. The great John Walters. With Tom Riley. Mm-hmm. Crush. Yes. As, as, we, as, as we refer to him. His code name was <laughs> Crush. Crush. Is that really Crush? Yeah. And do you, remember, uh, do you remember Walters? Tracer? Yes. Yes. It was Tracer. And uh, so we had an editorial meeting. And talking about the situation of drugs in America, which is different than now, but nevertheless. And people are asking questions. And then finally, you know, I, I raised my hand. And then, and so they said, you have a question. And I said, yes. I said, when are you going to make Rehypnol uh, legal? I said, when are you going to make Rehypnol legal? And you remember that? It was about a four-second delay as they were trying to process what I just said, and it wasn't illegal. And Riley just shook his head. <laughs> and Because it, it's an on-the-record lunch wasn't it it's these are uh, like it was a different time it was a different yeah. time it was a different time. walters uh if, even on the recorder you don't hear it because he just he, he turned he blushed he turned red and he smiled he just said, yes that's it uh so anyway uh yes yeah, so 14 years ago uh and i was thinking about it and it was funny because you were at the wedding and uh and paul ryan was at the wedding too that's but right. nobody but nobody uh Cared to talk. He was just a Wisconsin congressman. Nobody had any idea who he was. Nobody had yeah. any idea. And he looked like a staffer. Yeah, he looks like a kid. Yeah. Uh, and well, at and that point, he'd only been a congressman. Ninety-eight. So two thousand four. Three terms. He was yeah, like a three term. term. Yeah. I guess he'd been around for a while. But, but he was, I don't know, thirty-four. You know, and uh, but the Filipino. What I remember is the Filipino community uh, was very excited uh, to see Bill Crystal. And Fred Barnes, I couldn't believe it. there was an actual member of the Beltway Boys. Who who isn't the excited Beltway to see Bill Boys. Crystal and Fred Barnes? Very very excited. It was very nice of them to stay. Uh, I believe uh, Bill said uh, he was just hanging around for the cockfight. He figured to be a cockfight. Remember that's what he said. For, it's a Filipino joke. Your, uh, your yeah. wedding was lovely. <laughs> well, thank you. Your thank wedding you. was absolutely well, lovely. Thank you. As I, was yours, Sonny. I don't want you to get and wedding yours, J- Yeah, and yours, JVL. I was. A I didn't get. I, I didn't get invited to either of yours. So. Uh, you were in college. You must have been in college. Whatever. You were in middle school when you I were got in middle married. School. That's correct. You were married longer. Um, question for you guys, because I've already noticed this. By the way, uh, even before Halloween, I started hearing the Christmas music before like October thirty. That's messed up. It's messed up. And That's of course, now it's full on. Christmas now creep. It's, it's full on. The, the Hershey Kisses commercial with the bells. I hate it. Hate but that the question commercial. is, <laughs> there are worse commercials. Uh, 
are you do you try to do your Christmas shopping in advance or a sort of last minute JVL I am in between mm -hmm. my wife has a compulsion about Christmas shopping where if she oh, is not cool. finished everybody's Christmas shopping the week Bye. before Thanksgiving oh come on she's like what are we gonna do Ma! What? And what? I don't... That's insane. She misses out on all the Black Friday specials. Mm. The Black Friday specials are a scam. Nobody actually gets the Black Friday specials. I'll tell you, the only the only things I ever get on the Black so Friday like, specials yeah. are things for myself. Mm. If we, I see like a copy of... screen TVs. Like if I see Dunkirk on, on sale for like five bucks, I'm 100% going to get it. You have a plasma television it, for $2. And then there's an asterisk next to it. <laughs> we have four well, of these. Limited quantities apply. Well, well no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. I'm not talking about like the... like. I'm not saying she... I'm not... I'm not surprised that your wife isn't like lining up at Best Buy mm -hmm. at two in the morning, you know, to get like the doorbuster deals. But like, there's still, you know, there's still sales. There's still there's sales. And there's still time. Lord Lord Bezos has not abandoned us no. on Black Friday. No, I think that's changed everything. Do you do almost? I'm gonna bet you, Jay. I'm probably both of you. Do 99.9 percent .9 of your shopping online? Yup. Who would go into a store with other people mm -hmm. like a sucker? I do. I actually do less of my gift buying online than I do all of my other shopping online. Ah, huh. like if I want to buy some jewelry, or you something, go to I'm Macy's. Not gonna, like, go to Amazon. Oh, you go directly to K. No, you go to Blue you go Nile. directly no, to K Jewelers. Directly to K. I don't. I, Where do you go? Tiny Jewel Box. <laughs> no, what's what's the? Oh, Mervis. Ronnie oh, Mervis. You are a Mervis. 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 You have always been. We Mervis. should get them as a Mervis sponsor. Diamond. My great Mervis grandfather. Diamond. My great grandfather. <laughs> the diamond the mines of and you South hear, Africa. And you hear. It's like an, it's, in the you know what it is? it's not Indiana Jones, but it's that other, it's the knockoff Richard, one. Uh, Richard Alan Quartermain. Yes, Richard Chamberlain's ah, Alan Quartermain. King Solomon's King mind. Solomon's. As my grandfather yeah. was hobbling and workers in the mines of South Africa. <laughs> you hear like in the background all the different sound effects. Uh, that's right. very good. What I tried to do, and I tried to do this. People every, outside of the DC area who've never no heard idea Mervis ads. Oh come on, this is going to be totally Sad. awesome. Anybody Please. inside the Beltway, oh. this segment's going to kill. They're doubled over right now. I've told you, I've told you guys before that they the the, the advertising campaign of the Mervis Diamond Empire has been like the single most important uh, advertising campaign that I've ever been exposed to. It's like when I was when I was going out to buy an engagement ring, I was like 100. I'm going to I'm going to Mervis. That's where you I'm did. going. I remember. You I, was like, I was like, nobody going pays to retail anymore. Nobody Why pays retail you? anymore. Why should you? I'm glad. Wow, look at that. And it's stuck. I'm I'm glad you didn't go to Jared mm. or Kay. Yeah, it's the other one. Uh, what I try to do is. Uh, December 26th of the at, right after Christmas, I always make a you do all of your shopping. <laughs> no, 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 then no. I make the a mental after note. Christmas no, 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 no. I make a mental. Has this been returned? <laughs> eh, most of the packaging's still there. I'll take this, it's please. A little, it's a little late for no. I uh, I make mental notes. I put them on my. Well, it's not mental. I put them on my phone. I try to remember any time, like oh hey, I'd like this, and I don't want to buy it for myself. I put it down. Or for somebody else. Oh, this would be a great gift. And that begins December 26th, right up to the following Christmas. I looked at my phone. I have two things on the list. So what do you far, got? I'm not sure what it I haven't checked. But I'm pretty sure there are two things on there for somebody. But I don't know who. Maybe some books. Oh, a t-shirt. There's a t-shirt. These are things for yourself? Or no, things that no, you want to buy for other, for other people? For other people. For other people. Why don't you just buy them and, and for myself? I get to it later on. I'll get to it December 20. But uh, so you're a last minute guy. Uh, a little bit. Uh, you go to Macy's. Yeah, I was. I was at no. On December. I, I don't live in Jersey anymore, so I don't go to Macy's. Uh, but uh, I was going to mention also, uh, like your uh, wife, Erin uh, Dwyer, my sister-in-law. She is a fanatical early Christmas shopper. I'm pretty sure she is before December one. But you're talking even before that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. In July, oh, there's a lot of, oh, got to start locking this stuff down. Mm -hmm. Have we started our list yet for the kids? Or have we got to put everything together uh -huh. that we need for the kids? I'm like, honey, we're at the beach. Yeah. No, and she's but she really, on the she ball. she really wants to get ahead of Christmas. Speaking of getting ahead over Christmas, over the weekend, the Grinch took the top spot at the box office with $66 million. And in third place was Overlord with $10 million. And sandwiched in between was Bohemian Rhapsody with $30 million. <laughs> Right where it likes to be. Right next to Overlord. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. This is one of these wacky episodes. Um, I haven't seen any of those movies. This is this is like the problem with being on paternity leave. I've like I'm I'm very very out of it, which we'll we'll get to in a moment. Yes, but of, uh, of course. So I was gonna say, if you had box office no, thoughts, I don't really have any. I, I I don't have any box office thoughts, but I did see something incredibly aggravating the other day. Somebody described 
the Jim Carrey Grinch movie as a cult classic. Ah! And it like I there's literally no this was this follows this follows the movie Jennifer's Body being described as a cult classic, which wow. again is a, is a no, but at least I can kind of understand because it was a box office misfire. It was you know it didn't it didn't it didn't get very good reviews and like people like it now, so it is kind of it's that I can at least understand a world in which that constitutes a a cult classic, but the idea that the Jim Carrey Grinch movie, which grossed like almost 300 million dollars domestically i think and has been on tv in constant rotation and like was i think relatively well received uh uh is insane it's insane it, it the, the term means nothing we've, we've we've done a whole episode on this haven't we cult like classics how, how you can't cult, really cult. have cult classics we anymore because we must have done. Anyway, i feel like we i feel like we have somebody who actually pays attention to the things that we say will let will let us know i'm yes. sure but like I'm pretty sure we've done this before, but it, it drives me totally bonkers when people misuse this term. I, I just, Words have meanings. I also I just don't understand the need to do uh, another Grinch movie. I, what is the argument because Jim Carrey was sixty six million dollars <laughs> at the box office? Okay. That's the need. That's sad. JVL thoughts. No thoughts. I I loathe that Jim Carrey Grinch. Same. Like I can't even tell you. I thought your, I thought your. Uh, your complaint was not about like, hey, it was super popular. I mistook it as being uh, nobody actually liked this movie. (laughs) And I believe that that is true. I don't know that there is anybody who likes that movie, even (laughs) ironically. I don't even think anybody like does the so bad it's good thing with it. It's just a, (laughs) it's just bad. bad. Do you like it? No, I don't like it. Nobody likes that movie. I'll take the cartoon any day. Just give me the old, the original. Boris. Maximoff, Geldof, and uh, Nemetov, Nastronov. Uh, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and Boris, Boris Karloff. Karloff. Yes, of Karloff. course. Uh, so it's one of those offbeat weeks where we didn't want to see The Grinch, and I don't think our listeners do anyway. And uh, we talked about Bohemian Rhapsody last week. So instead, what happened was on Monday, uh, we learned that uh, the great legend Stan Lee uh, had died at the ripe old age of 95. Uh, the maker of you know Spider-Man and Incredible Hulk and the Fantastic Four and so many others, and uh, he meant obviously a lot to us and our listeners. Uh, first of all, yes, we talked about him a lot, but he was 95, so I think we get a pass on that. Well, you're the one who brings death, so I, I don't need a Sonny over here doesn't but need a pass. Two, you both wrote, wrote very lovely obituaries. I was going to add a th- Sonny did a prebituary. He did a. Well, no, and did then you he then do did, an obituary? He did an editor's Well, I, I wrote, yeah, I wrote, uh, I wrote that piece for the Weekly Standard a year ago that was right. like Stanley, right, which was a prebituary. And then more did you write something for the Beacon? Yesterday? Yeah, I wrote something for the Beacon. Yesterday. I didn't see it. And then yours I'm was sorry, more. Yours was extensive. I saw, I saw Pod mention your piece. Nine hundred words in seventy-five minutes. Bam! Bam. It was very intense. That's what professional writers like an animal. do. Very intense. You like that? I, I was going to. Uh, that's about how. That's I wrote my six hundred words in about forty-five minutes. So. So I'm very proud I would of probably do 45 words in 600 minutes, I think. But what I would say is my, my obituary, if I could add to yours, would be like, you know, Stan Lee was a, is a legend. Uh, I love the cameos. Rest in peace, Stan Lee. That would be okay. Six hours to write that. <laughs> that would be six hours. Uh, okay. Six hours later. So uh, uh, you, you, ha- you have thoughts. I brought, I brought in a show oh, and tell. Oh, okay, good, good, good. I brought in, I tweeted what about this last JVL. night. I brought in my favorite piece oh, of oh, Stan Lee oh. memorabilia. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Which okay, is, what number is that? Fantastic Four, number 49. Number 49 is That's the crazy. first full appearance of Galactus, the second appearance of the Silver Surfer, and the first Silver Surfer and Galactus cover. And it is signed by Stan Lee. Oh, oh, I can't believe you brought it here. Question. this out. And in a very, very respectable 6.5 grade. Question. Yes. Does the signature impact the CGC grade? How do they handle that? Because technically, it is writing on the cover. Mm-hmm. It has to. You don't have to be. tell me. About so, do you that. see the yellow, the yellow tab up top, mm-hmm. right? So that means it is a certified signature, which means that a representative from the company witnessed the signature. If oh, you wow. just bring in a comic book that Stanley has signed for you on the street, you get instead a green uh, tag, mm-hmm. which says. This says it's signed by somebody named Stan Lee, but we cannot vouch for that. Uh, question. So does CGC do like signings where people send things 
to yes. CGC, and then CGC has like Stan Lee there, for instance. And, yes. Oh, okay. That's wow. cool. I didn't and know that. They pay Stan Lee something like a hundred bucks per, p- and they I assume pass that on to you plus 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 some. another fifty <laughs> plus another. I would say the the markup. How when many? I bought can, this, how many? How many can you sign in one day? That's extra. Question, so. It was an extra one fifty in general for a for a book like this that is not like Amazing Spider-Man number one or, uh, you know, Tales of Suspense 19 or something like that. A normalish book like this, the markup is about 150 above what you would be normally paying. Mm-hmm. And what, is it, what does it cost to get a CGC grading? It's a, what, like 40 bucks? No, well, it's dependent on the value of the book. Oh, right? really? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the more valuable your book is, the more money they charge Question. You. Question. Yes. Because this seems like a real conflict of interest that would uh-huh. only inflate the price of the comic books. Uh-huh. This but is a scam. Is the CGC a questionable business? That's uh-huh. A, it's ridiculous. This <laughs> is a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. I, this is actually, I, I actually find this to be shocking. And, I mean, I, like... I'm slightly yeah, I mean, checked out of the comic the, book. The industry. things are, I would say, the, the troughs are pretty wide. Uh-huh. So it's like anything under five hundred dollars is one price. Anything from five hundred to fifteen hundred, I think, is another price. How do they justify? How do they justify it? How do they justify saying like we're gonna charge more for? Uh, my guess is that the just and I have never asked them. Boy, this is scintillating stuff. Uh, <laughs> I believe that it is probably that they take much more care in the handling of a $2,000 book than they do with a $20 book. But they don't know if it's going to be $20 or $2,000 until they actually no, you, you take totally. a look at it. No. Well, no. I mean, if this is if a, I, if this if is a one point, if this was a 1.0 Fantastic Four 49, you know, that's like a, that's like a $50 book. Sure. In the broadest possible context. However, if it is an amazing Spider-Man number one, you understand roughly what the range is going to be. Just by visual inspection, you can know roughly what the grade mm-hmm. is going to be. You can guesstimate these things. It's not mm-hmm. It's not rocket science. Okay. I well, find it's enough comic book talk. I find well, this very was, offensive. That, that was, you know, one of Isn't the, this nice, though? It's nice. Isn't this pretty? You know what I love? I love the back Sonny, ad. you should take a picture of this and tweet it out when we do the episode. I love the back ad, by the way. What is the back ad again? Oh, yeah. Is that Charles Atlas? My no, secret Dynaflex method, Mike Marvel. <laughs> oh, Mike Marvel, of course. Boys, men, can you um, build a magnificent body? <laughs> He-Man muscle body in just 10 minutes a day? Yes, I love. I love. I love those ads, and sometimes, sometimes those ads would have the 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 wimp on, on the beach getting, getting sand, sand kicked out, kicked, kicked out of yeah by by the big guy. And I always, I wasn't sure what the message was. The message is that one day you'll be able to beat up that guy or become that guy. You should you'll be, be able the to guy. Kick sand. Well, you want to be that guy. Yeah. And there's always the girl. You want to be the guy kicking you the, be the sand. Kick-y. And there's, the there's always the, the girl in the bikini yes. next to the guy yes. in the sand. Yes. So the, the psychosexual embarrassment, like, oh my the gosh. hint of it is, yeah. you're going to get to bang this chick <laughs> if you come and do Charles Atlas. Because you ads. won't be getting sand in your face. I love I love that ad, and I also love the Sea Monkeys ad. Oh, All right, we should talk about Stan Lee. Yeah, please. Okay, Stan Lee. Do we know what? Oh. Actually, 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 Stan Lee is just overrated. Oh, here we go. Oh, no. It hasn't happened. Are you as shocked as I? Oh, am? I saw, oh, I saw a bunch of people. You, I saw a bunch of people. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw a bunch of people. No, who but were it's like, just random people on Twitter who said it. Was a race? Like, did Slate do no, there? Uh, actually, no. I mean, I, there were definitely some. There were definitely some obits that were like Stan Lee's place in the comic book history is very complicated because actually it was Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko who deserve all the credit, and Stan Lee was an attention hog, and Steve Ditko was writing Ayn Rand comics by the end of his career, and he's the one we should all be in love with and like uh, like I'm I'm I I have a lot of sympathy for that line of argument because the Marvel way the Marvel method was like a weird factory line process where Stanley was kind of throwing out ideas and basic plots and Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko were the ones who were doing all the actual work the drawing and even a lot of the actual like dialoguing and the script the script writing so I like I have some sympathy for that but uh, at the same time, uh, Stanley's impact cannot be denied because he is the one who created this whole process, and he, the fact that he is a the fact that he was able to kind of um, capitalize on it the the most successfully I don't think should be held against him. 
I would say, and I, I'm not entirely sure I want to advance this argument, but I'm going to try it out anyway, that there are some people who are simply too big to judge. Their impact on their arena and their sphere is so enormous that you simply can't imagine it without them. And so you you wind up in a place where you, you just actually can't say, oh, well, but he should have done this better or this part of him was not as good. Like it just... It's it's beyond judgment, uh, and I think Lee is probably like that. You could sort of grant all of the yes, Kirby should have gotten more credit. Yes, Stan was uh, too much of an attention hog. Yes, Stan was very cute with the credit stuff. I mean, he sort of he both took as much credit as he could get, and then declaimed, "I was never the one taking it. People were just giving the credit to me." And at the same time, sort of in totality. You just can't judge him. All that stuff gets swept aside because none of this happens without him. This industry doesn't happen right. without him. This is like saying that, like, oh, well, Vince McMahon is bad for wrestling because he pushed steroids. Like, there isn't professional wrestling without Vince McMahon. Right, right, like, right. You just can't judge it. As you mentioned in your piece. Yeah. I mean, what, do you yeah. have thoughts, Victorino? No. Um, did you ever— This walk- is not a conservative argument, by the way. Yeah. No. <laughs> I realize well, as I'm not. saying yeah, it. Yeah, but. That's not. Um, no, my, my, other, my only thoughts were, I mean, I knew Stan Lee— uh, who he was when I was a kid. One of the earliest comic book I can remember having was a Fantastic Four, and I found it online. It was number one eighty-five because there were gargoyles on it. Hold on, I'm gonna yep. effort that while you talk. Yeah, number one eighty-five, Fantastic Four from nineteen seventy-seven. So when my mother or whoever bought that for me, I was four, and I, you know what I remember? I traced the cover. It was so good. Hmm. And my drawing was so good, but I traced it. You that's traced like, it. Well, you it's, traced it's a trace, yeah, but right. you know, it's okay. But then in the uh, 80s, that's the one. Wait, yep, which one is it? There you go. Oh, yeah. Those are the garbage it's years. crazy. That's 30 cent Fantastic 30 Four. Cent. That is, go. man. It's not, that's when things were not good. You could afford, yeah, 1977. Um, but that's what I remember. And then did you watch JVL? Uh, yeah, because the, the oh, artist. you know why you loved it? Because Sue Storm was really busty on this cover. <laughs> Sinnott was one of the artists, I think. Uh, anyway. Jolton Joe Sinnott? No, I'm not even kidding. Look at her. She is yeah, super busty Sue Storm. She was she was big. <laughs> Sue Storm as Power Girl. Was, right, exactly. <laughs> did you now, JV, did you watch uh in the eighties the Spider-Man and his amazing friends show on NBC on Saturday mornings? One hundred percent. Why I know I, you did. Yes. And uh, Electro! Uh, oh, yes, okay, so um, but there were no other superhero. I was thinking about this. So there's Iceman and Firestorm. Firestorm, not Firestarter, because that's Stephen King. Yeah. So isn't that odd? And, and like, there was no other crossover. Like they didn't bring in. You didn't see Incredible Hulk was a separate show. It came right after, and I didn't like that at all. But well, uh, all of this was rights management. Right. Right. I mean, the, all of this was intellectual property fights and bargaining over. Right. Well, I want this character, but I'm only yeah. going to pay this much yeah. money. I mean, it's and, it's you. You mentioned Stanley uh, in your in your obit, uh, JBL, and uh, and the role he played in managing the Marvel IP. And like, I think it is worth acknowledging that he had the right idea and was terrible at it. Kind of. Right, I mean, like the problem. The problem with the Marvel IP for so long is that it was, it was terrible at it at first. Yes. It was it was, he was it was farmed out to a bunch of different people who had no idea what to do with it, and they put together shoddy, shoddy, shoddy stuff. But there was, was nothing better. I mean, there, there was no better way to do it at the time. I don't think there were no right. distribution channels right. that could have done any better. Uh, I mean, he was inventing a mode of yeah. of IP mining, and this so is, it was messy. This is and a, this is a very modest low critique because it is uh, you know I mean like people didn't really get good at this until I think it's fair to say Warner Brothers bought DC because I think Warner Brothers uh, kind of looked at what or was it Time Warner did Time Warner Time buy Warner. DC Time Warner bought yeah. DC and looked at what they had there and they're like okay. We can do things with this, and this is why you have, you know, the Batman logo on literally everything, uh, and the the Batman and Superman movies, and you know, kind of how how good those were. Um, yeah, I my my one my one real uh, Stanley thought is that he the thing he did that is most important, I think, in addition to all this, was the the. Uh, the kind of creation of this idea of comic book fans as a community. The bullpen bulletin, I think, is his actual real lasting legacy uh, in the the world of superheroes and comic books. I mean, 
granted, the, the, I, I think even more important than any individual character was this idea that you you were giving people a glimpse into the world of the comic books and saying, like, here are the guys who make it. You know, we're all friends and we're having a good time and it's fun. And it's cool to like comics. You know, you can have a community. You can have friends. You can we can we, we can we can be the real winners and the heroes here. Uh, and it took a while, but I, I don't think that you can look at the universe in which we live now and not say, yeah, that was right. This can be a thing that brings people together. And the, did yeah, you guys no. read the Brian Michael Bendis uh, comic obituary no. in the New York Times? It was, it was great. I saw the I saw the, the 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 like two panels that you that you yeah, tweeted. So he, oh wow! He did, he did, he did his panel. obituary. Oh, no, no, but he kidding. did it as a comic. Yeah, that's and it great. was like the three times he met Stanley, and uh, he said that the last time he met him, he asked Stanley if he what he thought of the Marvel movies, and Lee said, you know, I haven't seen them in years uh, because my I just can't see anything. You know, he said, you know, I'm sitting here across the table from you at lunch. They, Stanley asked Bendis to go to lunch. Mm-hmm. And he asked to meet him at the Cheesecake Factory. How great is that? <laughs> Where did Stanley want to go to lunch? I want to go to the Cheesecake well, Factory. Case closed. Uh, and he said, you know, sitting across from me, you look like a pink blob with blue. Yeah, just, you know, just couldn't see. I would say the, the last years are not, by all reports, what you would have hoped for. Mm-hmm. For a guy like Stanley, mm-hmm. there was a lot of well, there was a lot of a lot of fighting over money and, and family yeah, drama yeah, yeah. and business partner drama, yeah, elder abuse allegations. Yeah, well, it Stanley really, also Stanley he deserved better. He he did. I mean, he did he did spend the last twenty years of his life getting into bed with various hucksters, mm-hmm. like internet companies trying to do digital comics and okay, Pamela well, Anderson and yes. You know, but I mean, on like, the other hand. Just, 20 years ago, he was 75. No, I, I mean, know. What I, I mean, know. think about no, like, no, no. oh my I, God, 20 years ago, he was old as dirt. And yeah, now you're no, like, no, 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 he lived it for another 20 yeah, years as yeah, that. I, mean, I, mean, I, was, I was thinking about this when he did his co- uh, cameo in Mallrats. Like, I, I was thinking, how old was Stanley? Like, he was in his 70s. Yeah. You know what I mean, I like, mean he, must have been, he must have been 71 or 72. Because yeah. <laughs> that was 94. Yeah. So, yeah. And he looked very spry. Yeah. That's the funny thing. He was still out and about. Well, I guess... Did you guys yeah, feel like the the pain of like a like an actual sort of emotional pain at him dying? No, I well, I, it made me feel super old. Like to live in a world where Stanley is dead, gone. I just thought like you know, I, just one of the things is he's been a fixture in my life, dating to my earliest memories of the world around me. Well, because my first comic book memories are yeah, like age five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kind of felt like you know because I knew he was ninety five, so I'm sort of aware that at any moment this is going to happen. And obviously, a lot of people had those obits ready to go at any moment. They have to update that. But I did tell my kids because my kids knew Stanley, you know, from watching them. Well, they knew he was the creator oh. of these comics, and of course, they'd seen Marvel movies and they can recognize him because of the old man. I said he's in every, every. One of those Marvel movies, basically, almost yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was definitely. I mean, I was sad. I was sad in the way that I, you know, yeah. am rarely sad when a celebrity mm-hmm. did it get of dusty some sort. in there. No, a little bit of high pollen count. I don't think it. No, it didn't. I, I would say I. It, I mean, the ones that hit harder are the ones that you don't expect. Like when, when Philip Seymour Hoffman died, like that. That was mm-hmm. like a real gut punch because mm-hmm. it was like, holy mm-hmm. crap, he was like five years older than I am, and. I guess it was like ten years old. But you you accomplished as much as he has. Yeah, sure. So, you know. Well, I mean, this is the thing to remember with Stan Lee. Stan Lee didn't ma- invent the Fantastic uh, Four until he was like thirty nine, I think, or forty or forty one. There are some stories like that. There, are I still have years. I have years right, right, right. to go. You, you, you guys do. are done. You do. We're done. You're, you're, you're We're both done. finished. There's, there's the have... Mozart argument, and then there's like the yeah. Stan Lee argument, and some of these other guys who didn't write their classics until their forties or fifties. Yes, JVL was Philip Seymour Hoffman a Rotten Tomatoes accredited film critic? No, he was no, not. no, he was no, not. he wasn't Mm-mm. loser Mm-mm. so there okay. take that you're more often. you are fine sonny mm-hmm. don't thank don't you change mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> let me go well, do some heroin anyway but all this talk about marvel just you know i have to go back and sort of uh uh to my old comic books i'm curious uh if there's anything if my sister had a lot of comic books in uh, up in jersey and they're still in boxes in my parents house i'll have to go through them and uh brush up on my marvel speaking of which speaking of brushing up one of the most important transitioning things... Transitioning to yourself is very hard. It's very hard. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip is, better, uh, is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Quip features sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle on your sensitive gums. Why? Because many people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. 
Quip's built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping guide a full and even clean. Up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. A multi-use cover mounts to your mirror and unmounts to slide over your bristles for on-the-go brushing. It declutters your sink or cabinet and makes traveling with an electric toothbrush easier. Quip doesn't require a clunky charger and runs for three months on one charge. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. Three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands of verified five-star reviews. I think of users like Paul Crookston in our office and Kishore Jayabalan out in Rome and so many of other listeners to the substandard who use Quip and swear by it. I love Quip. They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash substandard right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash substandard. JVL, you were talking about the last years of of, uh, Stan Lee. uh, He was not in a good place. Oh, speaking of which, (laughs) see, see, you don't have to do it yourself. Like Nick Van Exel, I just toss it up there. I'm glad you knew where I was going. Uh, But we wanted to talk about a show (laughs) called The Good Place. If you haven't guessed by now, we're talking about The Good Place, where Stanley is. Uh, JVL, this is very rare for us to talk about a TV network sitcom. Uh, Something on NBC. Very rare for us to talk about TV at all. And yeah. this is literally, this is Sonny speaking, not JBL, by Thank the way. Thank you. Yes, Sonny. Oh. And uh, I just jumped in there. Uh, I don't want people to get confused. I know that this is a problem. People get confused. With our listeners. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand why they say that we sound the same, but whatever. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the Good Place is, is a network TV sitcom, and I literally do not think that I have watched a network TV sitcom since The Office went off the air. Yes. I know what you mean. Is that post-date Arrested mm-hmm. Development? Mm-hmm. Yes. Parks okay. and Rec? Parks. Are you a Parks and Rec guy? Uh, a oh, community I guess, I guy? Guess, uh, Parks, and, Parks and Rec, I guess I did watch. But I don't know. They're all Michael, Michael, Michael Shore. Shore. And they're all Michael Shore, yeah, which yeah. is very funny. Um, I did not watch Arrested. Oh, I did watch Arrested Development, but that was done after. By like 2005, right? Right, I mean, right. Well, like, wait, So this is something that's new for us. And next week, I believe we're going to discuss the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Yes. Next <laughs> week, we're going to talk about... We're, next week, we're going to talk about Friends. <laughs> we, there's this great show on on NBC Thursday nights called Friends. I feel like there's a sexual tension between Rachel and Ross. I don't know, I don't what's, know gonna what's going to happen there. What's good? So JVL, you were the first person to start watching The Good Place. The question is, how ironic is that? Yes. <laughs> Why? Yes, I know. And was it because oh, I like Kristen Bell, I'm going to watch this, or what? How did what? What made you? Because it takes a lot of energy to say I'm going to watch this show watch this. on network TV. Yeah. Our buddy, Kristen Soltis Anderson, flagged me down at the offices of the Weekly Standard. Ah. She was sitting in our cafeteria for some reason, and I walked by, and I was like, Kristen, KSA, what's up? And we were talking, and she Literally said, like that. that literally would, like that. That's actually, a, we had a tape of it. Well, it's we a sort of, it's, it. a, it's a Florida Gator thing. <laughs> um, that's how she recognizes it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Anyway, and she said, you have to watch The Good Place. And I said, what? And she said, she, she gave me the elevator pitch. It's KSA. KSA. So KSA gave me the elevator pitch. And the elevator pitch for it, which is uh, girl wakes up in a nice office. Ted Danson is there. And he says to her, don't worry. Everything's fine. You're dead, but you're in The Good Place. And then later in the pilot, she you discover as an audience member that actually she's not belonging in the good place she's there from a clerical error and the rest of the series is her trying to like keep hidden and not get kicked out and sent to hell so first of all the premise is great that was not enough to make me watch the show i said that sounds great but i can't do that and she said it's a sitcom they're 22 minutes each i said okay a little closer but i i can't commit to i don't have to i don't watch television we do not do television of any sort and she said only 13 episodes a season I said, oh, okay, well, now we're getting pretty close. I I don't know that I'm ready to close the deal. And then she said, Kristen Bell is the star. And I was like, okay, sold. And I went home and we watched, I think, the first nine episodes mm-hmm. that night. Mm-hmm. 
and then you start. But that's what it took. I mean, it took all of that to to get me to watch this show. I wouldn't have, and I knew, I I understood everyone loves it, everyone was talking about it, and I still didn't get, make the effort to until. Well, the reason I started watching is because I just had a kid. So I like, I have a lot of sitting around time with my wife where we, you know, our, our daughter is at daycare. Uh, Beth and I are sitting around. We've we've got a new child, and we need something to do for like two, three hours at a whack. And as JVL so succinctly put it, I mean, it is a twenty-two minute show on Netflix uh, without the advertisements uh, that is only thirteen episodes per season. So you can get through a whole season in about six hours, less than that. I mean, it's like it 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 is uh, it is. Just the perfect. Try the math perfect again. Seven hours. Is it seven hours? <laughs> Four hours. No, no. Twenty-two times thirteen is. So there are three episodes in an hour, roughly. Ah. Thirteen. But, but a little more than that. Okay. It's like anyway, <laughs> five hours. Five hours. Uh, ish. Please. But you Continue. gotta like pause and stuff. I don't know. Um. I've a totally lost. Like I've totally lost. A, a full season is like watching a very long movie. Yeah, that's little. A very, a very long movie. Um, but we we got through all. We got th- we we are up to date on the series as of you know this 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 moment, uh, and it took us like ten days, which is fantastic, great, and it's very right. funny. I mean, it is it is very. I have I have some thoughts on the show as right. as a like uh, the way it's structured and stuff. But, that too. Um, if we want to, how did you come to it? Well, Victor because Rigel? the two of you were uh, watching it, and Sonny was really because uh, you'll watch anything. I, no, that's not true. Uh, and, uh, and and Sonny was urging me, saying that you, I knew you were watching it, and he says it's really good. I should watch. And so, well, I mean, we could do this as an episode because we had nothing else to talk about, and we actually don't have anything to talk about yeah. even in this episode. So I said, okay, I'll watch it. And I told Kate about it, and it was better than some of the other. We we gave the Romanoffs a try. One episode that is dreadful. One episode is an hour and a half. I just couldn't. I can't, it's it's like it's the opposite of the Good Place. It's like six. It's a Bad six place. episode. Series, I guess. I, I don't know. I only saw it's, one. It's episode. either six or eight episodes, but yeah. each one is the length of a mm-hmm. feature mm-hmm. film, and yeah. it's like, yeah. why? Why are and, we and, doing and, this? And we saw and, and we saw the first season of Glow, you know, but just didn't have the energy for the second season. Glow is good, but Glow has uh, the problem that a lot of these Netflix shows have, which is that they want to do like a thirty-minute sitcom. And it's, I'm sorry, that's just, it is, like, the sitcom works very well at 22 minutes. That's the number. It works very, very, like, network, There's a reason they do it at 22 ne- minutes. Network TV has, like, really, has really kind of uh, uh, drilled the the yeah. sitcom down to its core and gotten, yeah. gotten out what makes it good. And you can get away with it sometimes, like, the HBO, some of the HBO uh, uh Sitcoms are you know thirty mm-hmm. minutes, mm-hmm. but they have to be mm-hmm. really really good, like Veep yeah. or Silicon Valley. Because even long most Curb Your Enthusiasm, Curb Your Enthusiasm is thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and like and half of those episodes are too uh, like ten minutes too long. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, the 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 Good Place is just very very well. So I here's what I here's what I like about it. I I like that it has taken the Lost formula and perfected it by moving it from a drama to a sitcom. I mean, if you watch each episode, it's basically structured like an episode of Lost, where you have your heroes who are doing whatever weird things in this wacky place, uh, punctuated by flashbacks to their life in the before time and the long, long ago, and the lessons that they're learning. But it is also wrapped up in this mystery box Mm -hmm. format. Like, we don't know exactly what's happening. We don't know where each episode is going. And each one ends on a cliffhanger that takes us to the next episode. And the reason this works... They do that well. The reason this works for, for, uh, for The Good Place in a way that it doesn't quite work for Lost and it doesn't quite work for Fringe and some of these other shows is because it is a sitcom. It is less serious. It is inherently like t- designed to be taken less seriously than a drama. We don't actually uh, we don't actually worry too much about the human drama of what is happening to these people. And we don't expect it to be realistic. I mean, like when the polar bears show up on the tropical island of Lost, you're supposed to be like, whoa, what is what is this crazy world? That but they're in they're in an actual magical place, so crazy things can happen and it doesn't right. really matter. Anyway, so this is my 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 big thought on the good place and the reason why I think it works in a way that a lot of other things of this variety don't is because it has taken the mystery puzzle box idea and perfected it by just throwing it into a sitcom, which I don't know why it took so long to figure that out. Mm-hmm. JVL. Interesting. Not having watched Lost, I really can't comment on that connection to it. I, uh, 
I mean, there are a whole bunch of things to talk about about it. I was so I went to read up on this, and you would think that Lost lends itself to really, really interesting essays. Uh, Lost, you think a good place lends okay. itself mm-hmm. to very interesting essays about uh, the good place, uh, and it does not. Mm-hmm. I was stunned by how bad most of the stuff. Like Emily Nussbaum, the New Yorker writes this thing about the good place and she can't you know she she keeps herself away from trump until the second paragraph <laughs> and then the third paragraph gets to hillary clinton no. and it just like yeah um but there's one really good profile of the show uh in the new york times which had all sorts of interesting stuff in it uh, the most interesting of which being that sure thinks of this show as an explicit rejection of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Michael Shore, who was also yes. the creator, who was a writer on SNL and then The Office and Parks and Rec. President of the Harvard Lampoon. I mean, he's exactly what you would think. He's yeah. the Harvard comedy it is, mafia. Uh, it really is. Yeah. It, this and is, he is talking back to Seinfeld through this, uh, which is interesting. So, I mean, so Seinfeld is the sitcom that killed the sitcom, and this is his response to that in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because it's all learning. I mean, all the characters, it, it is a show literally well, s- about learning and growing. Sit- uh, Seinfeld was famously described by its creators as a show in which no one ever learns anything. Right. In which it's not just a show about nothing. It is a show in which the characters do not have the big hug at the end where they've all learned their mm-hmm. lesson. No. They, it's, it's, so, yeah, so, like, The Good Place is explicitly. Uh, yeah, not, and it's a place where all the comedy yeah, comes right. from the learning. And so this is, I mean, his, the genius of it is that it is a show about learning but that never gives you the schmaltz because the comedy comes from the learning, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a very interesting trick, I think. Well, and also, uh, it, it also feels like almost a parody of a show that a bunch of Harvard dorks would create where you have uh, you have a bunch of people sitting around talking about Kant mm-hmm. and uh, Plato and Aristotle and, you know, it various It uses the modes. word deontology. Yeah, right. I mean, yes, when's right. the last time any, any mm-hmm. program on network television could have deontology. I mean, you can just imagine that, you know, 15 years ago, the studio would have come in and said, you can't use that yeah. word. Nobody knows what it means. Well, it does. And it has a whole episode about the trolley problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, like literally a whole episode about the trolley problem. Which, uh, yeah. The, it, 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 I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, I, the, the trolley problem. I mean, it's things I took, you know, at, at Georgetown, we had a minimum requirement of two semesters of philosophy, ethics, and I hated them. Right. And yeah, I mean, I just hate <laughs> no them. surprise there. <laughs> and, I, you know, I mean, I'm because I'm you, just you not... didn't get into the Heidegger. No. Oh, hmm. <laughs> the design nine. Heidegger's design. We, you know, I'm the kind of person, you know, they, they give you these books to read. Every book I read, I'll be like, you know, Gorgias or whatever. Oh, this is really interesting. I can see that. I, I see this point of view. Great. And then the next, you know, assignment is to argue against him. I, I, this guy knows more than I do. I think I agree with him until you read the next book by David Hume uh, or Jeremy Bentham. Uh, you know, and it's a philosophical, it's philosophical version of name a song you don't like, Vic. <laughs> yes, right. You ask me the question, I can tell you all the philosophers I don't like and on these ethicists. So anyway, I, I got through that with like I think a B average. Just getting, I just had to get through it. And it's funny though, but it comes up. And so there's you a familiar, got through it with a B through, average. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to make Sonny bleep it because he's so tired. <laughs> there was, uh, but the, but but I do remember the push your mother into the subway tracks to save the other. I mean, it's the same. So these classic things, and if anyone who's gone through college, they could you know they could familiarize themselves with it. And other people, it's very relatable though. You don't have to have. I mean, for me, it's a bad memory, but for other people, it's interesting. And so, as far as sitcoms go, it's it's thought provoking. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not just. Blah, and it know, is, it's... and it is, it is in another way a rejection of the the kind of format of the sitcom, which is totally, uh, you know, a, in theory, television is supposed to be about people who never change, uh, and films are about people who experience a change. It's this is like mm-hmm. kind of shorthand mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. people use yeah. to describe the two uh, the two different medium media media and uh and and i think that this the show is trying to kind of position itself as a show about changing about you know the here are these characters who are changing i don't know that it has been entirely successful at that right because it is still it is still a show about people who are trying to change and they're just trying to change and they've been trying to change for three years now yeah and I do wonder what the natural lifespan on a show like this mm-hmm. 
is. Well, one so, hopes that the lifespan is very finite. Well, one hopes. Right? I mean, that I don't want to look at this show and get seventy episodes. Right, it's an, right. Each episode is Season a chapter. 10. We're now at like chapter thirty-two. Right. I will be very unhappy if this is not over by like chapter forty-five. Sure. Like, like, I, or, I want or, it to yeah. be a story that we tell. Or, remember, NBC's The Office was supposed to be a documentary that went on for how many years? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, but or yeah, or like fifty episodes. I mean, I think you could do four seasons, right? Which is basically four seasons. One, they think they're mm-hmm. in the good place. Mm-hmm. At the end, it turns out they're in the bad place. Right. Second second season is... Spoiler, Sonny. Well, we're... I mean, these are all spoiler, spoiler-heavy episodes. Then second season is they know they're in the bad place, mm-hmm. and Ted Danson changes and realizes that they all belong in the good place. Mm-hmm. And then the third season is they're on Earth trying to earn their place right. in the good place. And then the fourth season would have to be in the good place, right? You would... That would be the last think. season. Like, what, it would, what would it actually mean to be in the good place... And how miserable would they be? And then they have to go to hell. Question. We know. Thank you. We know for sure there's going to be another season. Yes, we assume. No, we don't know for sure. I don't know. I don't know. What the, I, like, I don't believe we Are we, we still mid-season sure. three right now? Yes. Okay. It's like up to seven episodes, right? Yep. I think I'm up to season. Yeah. Season yeah, we're three. season so three. We don't know. Episode seven we don't know what happens. No, we have no idea. It was interesting because when I first started watching the first season, uh, it, it, it seemed to me, okay, this is a very sort of a basic arc. You know, they, they don't belong there. How do they stay there? And then they flipped it, and then the, and then and it turns out they're in a bad place. But then at the same time, um, they do the trick, the rebooting, and that that gives yeah. you a whole new season of basically new characters and their whole relationship and arc. Ninety nine point nine percent of it is gone. I mean, there's some feeling there. I don't know why I feel this way about certain people, but then you could just start all over and have a new season. And that's the that's the danger is if at the end of every season, if they want to keep this thing going, but to snap their fingers. See, I thought they handled that very. With as much dexterity yeah. as Chris McQuarrie handles it in the day after, uh, the, the edge of tomorrow, edge of tomorrow, not the day after tomorrow, yes. the edge of tomorrow, yeah. uh, they never, they never went to that well too many times, and they gave you just the right amount of rebootings so that you weren't bored. Yeah. And I, yeah. I thought that was very nicely handled. I kind of hope we get season four in the bad place because I want more bad Janet. Yeah, <laughs> man, <laughs> bad, bad Janet is the, the actress best. is fantastic. Uh, it reminded and me. Trevor. And Trevor. and Trevor, more bad Janet and, and Trevor Scott. is what I want. Um, but I mean, there's definitely all these different hints of like Heaven Can Wait, which is obviously it's a mistake that I'm here. I'm not supposed to be here. And also at the end of Heaven Can Wait, memory loss. We're wiping your memory. Uh, Groundhog's Day, Edge of Tomorrow. And also uh, Always. Do you remember? Now, I mean, episode, season three is Always, which is the Richard Dreyfus Steven Spielberg movie, which that. is based on a guy named Joe, which is afterlife, but trying to help other people. And that's what they're happening. That's what's happening right now. So I find it very interesting. But do you find it weird, JVL, as as a Roman Catholic, that there's all this discussion of ethics and morality, but no discussion of theology? There's philosophy, but not theology. I was actually going to ask Sonny. about this too, JVL, because I, I I remember thinking about midway through the first season, like this is basically the mushiest millennialist idea of what heaven would be like just be a good person without any actual like commitment to some sort of higher power and I was a little bit surprised that you as as a practicing and committed Catholic uh, are are, well, he's definitely committed are are like are 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 yeah you know kind of okay with that kind of like basically karma idea of heaven the the position of the Catholic Church, which is one of the things I like about the church, is that all of the truths about morality can be known by reason alone. Fides ad ratio, and the two of these things work together. You do not have to believe in God, even, let alone Christ. You don't have to believe in either of these things to be able to get to uh, what, how one is supposed to live life. Uh, and is one of, I think, the attractions of the church and is a mark in its favor that you don't, to get to all the stuff that turns out to be right, you don't have to sign on with zombie Jesus or whatever. Uh, and, I, and I, right, I mean, this is, yes, you give you this as well. I, I, I know what you're now. saying. It doesn't although, bug me at all. I, well, I just think, you know, I mean, and Chidi is a very, Chidi, who is one of the characters, it was one of the main Chidi characters. Anaganya. That guy is so funny. Yeah. Where does he? Come I don't know from? where he comes from. Is he from? from a comedy background? He's, he must. Because man, really that guy's chops are awesome. And he, but he has a huge reading selection for his ethics course. But you would think somewhere in the mix would be I don't know the letters of Saint Paul or maybe I don't know or Orthodoxy or uh, City of God. Nothing. 
the uh, this is so you know you know what I mean. I do. This is very very funny. They have on the show, uh, they have a consulting philosopher listed in the credits. Ah. Uh, there is a woman I'm looking for it now. I don't see it. Uh, who is a philosophy professor at UCLA, and her thesis advisor is TM. God, what's the philosopher's name? Ah, forgetting his name. The guy who who wrote the things we owe to each other, or what we owe to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is this is the book that is there throughout. And this is Sure's Sure opens from. Uh, oh right, that's so. Yes. So Sure himself, T.M. Scanlon. T.M. Scanlon, thank you. He opens from his priors. Is we're going to have a philosophical discussion. Are that he opens from a place of his personal belief is along the Scanlon line of the things we owe to each other. Now the the. the the big thing, it's a big book, but the big thing about it, the big first central idea is that uh, there is an assumption that there are things that we owe to each other. The question isn't like, do we owe anything to each other? It's what do we owe to each other? Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that is is what he is trying to untangle. His story, sure story for how he got the idea for his, do you guys know about this? Mm-hmm. No, about I don't. So his wife got into a fender bender and uh, the guy who either bumped her or got bumped by her uh, wanted eight hundred and thirty-six dollars for bumper damage, and sure thought that this was stupid and unnecessary. And so he sent this guy a note and said, uh, "If you drop your claim, I'll give eight hundred and thirty-six dollars to Hurricane Relief and her uh, for Hurricane Katrina." And this, you know, his his Facebook post about this—I think it was Facebook—blew up and raised a lot of money, and he felt like really good about it until like two months later, when he realized. I was just grandstanding. Like this this thing which I did, which wound right. up actually raising thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for Hurricane Katrina relief, uh, and which made him look and feel like a puffed up moral good guy. It made him the, the Tahani. Tahani. He's the Tahani. The actual yeah. roots of it yeah. were him trying to yeah. like belittle this other mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. and feel morally superior. And what he started thinking about was, so wait a minute. So what, what's the right answer here? Is what mm-hmm. I did actually good or not good? Right. And that began the whole counts. unraveling process of thinking through uh, and leading us to the good place. Trying to do good or trying now to do help others do good. And certainly that's their only recourse at the moment. Um, what, what I really love, can I just say what I really, really love about The Good Place is uh, Jason Mendoza, played by Manny right. Jacinto, not enough Filipino actors, and this is a great one he really represents. And he's also not playing a nerd. He's playing sort of this idiot. But, uh, he's, but playing a Flo- he's playing Florida Man. He is playing Florida Man. He's, he's also, amazing. He yeah. reminds me of Chrissy from Three's Company. You know, where, I mean, everything is, you know, with every now and then there's the occasional glimmer of, there's a very funny scene, I think, in season two where they go through all the reboots, and one of them is where Jason figures out this is the bad place. And I think Ted Danson goes, Yeah, yeah really Michael you? is just like, you... <laughs> But I'm, it's very great. It, it's, it's very funny to see him. Yes, Florida man. Um, people say in Jacksonville that there are a lot of people who are like that. But I like it. I mean, I could really – I know people. That's a very specific Filipino stereotype. And I know a guy uh, who I grew up with. I'm not going to say his name. Uh, but it's Whose basically, name is Eve uh, Susteris. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not Steve Gisela. But he knows. We both know who this guy is and his brothers. And they are – straight out of that i mean it's like pill boy and um and and, and jason mendoza and so it's uh and and, uh, and what's his name uh junkyard what's uh his father's name doug doug <laughs> dougie dave or something right. david i can't remember yeah. it's really awful and uh, don't yeah and so i see that and that donkey doug donkey doug donkey doug, donkey doug. Right. and it's spot on it's just spot on and so i i, I appreciate the authenticity of that particular uh, stereotype. And so it reminded me of Pod explaining in uh, Don't Mess with the Zohan that Adam Sandler's character is a very specific right. Israeli stereotype, sort of an Israeli Guido type that exists and hangs out on the beach. And the same exact thing with um, with Jason Mendoza. I, th- I think it's great. So he, which leads us to the question of the casting, which I am sort of blown away by the ensemble on this yeah. because you have on the one hand Ted Danson who has put together this incredible late career resurgence beginning I think with Damages was Damages oh, that's the right. beginning of this uh, well beginning I, I would say Curb Your Enthusiasm 
That, he, like, that starts, postdates Curb Your Enthusiasm, I uh, believe. Uh, I could be wrong. And he was in that CBS show. He had a show. Becker. He, thank you. Thank you. Sam. I would not count that as the resurgence. <laughs> yeah, but he's sort of working all through. But this he's time. Becker. Really good in Cheers. this. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Your worst <laughs> opinion. Uh, Christian Bell, who is just you know the best. She is a she is the natural uh, in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then the other the other who is it? Uh, the other three, right? Mm-hmm. Cheedy. Yeah. Not four. Cheedy, Janet. Uh, right. Manny right. and, right. and mm-hmm. what's her name? Jamil Jamil yeah, Tahani. Jamil Jalil. Jamil Jalil mm-hmm. are essentially so you have like a, a comedian, mm-hmm. which uh, a a dancer, right? And I don't know what the other. I mean, just and a DJ. I think yeah. she is Jamil Jamil is like a, a literally oh, really? a, a DJ or something. Mendoza like is an actual dancer, and yeah. then uh, he's really good. And, and so. they are so good. Mm-hmm. They're, they are fantastic yeah, together, and the, all the little nuances in each of the reboots, like you know, they have no idea of their past history from season, season one, which you know, it's just a great ensemble. It's a very, very and good. I I can't really yeah. even imagine the casting process which comes up with those people as a group. Yeah, like it's a weird thing. I will just say I will watch and like you. I'll watch anything with Kristen Bell. I love forgetting Sarah Marshall. Still one of my favorite comedies of all time. And uh, and she's great in uh, the Good Place. Um, I still think she's the best in the Lifeguard. Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about. You don't, JVL. You don't even have to see the whole movie. There's only about seven good minutes, and you could probably see it somewhere on the internet. I wouldn't do it because I'm afraid of getting malware. If there's only a way, ExpressVPN. Uh, with all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile or internet provider. Not only can they record your browsing history, Vic, but they often sell it to other corporations who want to profit from your information. Vic's getting all this mail at home out. (laughs) Would you like to try out to be a lifeguard this summer? How do they know? That's why I decided to take back my privacy using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address, as well as all the websites you visited. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is the solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider or data resellers, ExpressVPN is the answer. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash substandard. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash substandard for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash substandard to learn more. Thank you, JVL. Do we have any other good place or bad place thoughts? We're good. I think we're good. Do you have, I, I would say this. I believe the show is in rewards rewatching because it is Packed with Easter eggs. Uh, Is that right? There is a scene where you there's like Like a a flash of the scorecard. Uh huh. You know, with Uh and things are like pet a lamb plus zero point eight nine points. Remember your sister's birthday plus fifteen point oh two points. (laughs) Poison a river minus four thousand ten point fifty (laughs) five points. I mean, just an absurd level of the. uh, It's well, Smithsonian. It's It's Smithsonian. Very funny when they. when, when the names of the various stores in the good yes. place. Oh yeah, those are always fantastic. those are great. Sensational. In the last episode, I saw with Eleanor visiting her mother, and uh, she goes for the PTA, uh, um, the meeting where she's running for PTA president. The school is the MGM Casino Resort High School, but they, there was a quote I had to, I I put it on pause. They have a the, the, the their their slogan is always bet on, always bet on red, but R E A D always bet on red. <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's all the time we are giving to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch at JV Last. The other, the other one, that guy over there. That one. Thank you, thank you, JVL. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in Substandard on our podcasts. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. I did have one. I have one outtake. One outtake. Good. You know, rare. You know, uh, the big news uh, this week is that JVL's uh, uh, Oscar draft took a huge hit. No, took this huge, viral, huge. That hit. was a consequence. Because it was a viral marketing. No, we can't no, even talk about it. Huge hit. Vigo Mortensen mm-hmm. dropping mm-hmm. the N bomb at a mm-hmm. at a post screening. Vigo Mortensen is of a persuasion that makes nope. him absolutely <clears throat> immune. Nope. Oh, that's not. Nope. 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 I know, and I know your evidence. It's because he brought a dude to an art gallery show, and that was what you showed me twenty something years ago. He said, "Look at this." He's there with this guy at an no, art gallery. Case I'm, closed. I am, I am pretty certain no. that Viggo definitely not. Definitely is not. above reproach. Nope. Nope. Had to apologize. Was denounced by his co-star. That big trailer, hit. Big that hit. Trailer you are. You that are, movie is going to do great. You are screwed, my friend. And Queen, I am been, going. To, Bohemian Rhapsody has been coming I'm home just, for me. I'm just going to throw this out there. Oh, I'm just going to. I'm going to throw this out there. I think I might get more points than both of you two combined. Well, sure, because Vic's going to get zero. I think I might get. I think I might get uh, all the points. Rome is going to clean up unless they stop talking about the caravan. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs>